Welcome to Biomechanics on Our Minds. My name is Melissa Boswell. And I'm Hannah O'Day, and we're PhD students at Stanford University. This podcast is brought to you by the International Society of Biomechanics. It's, it's time, time for, for Boom. Welcome to Boom. We have Biomechanics on Our Minds. Boom. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Student Voices, a series from Biomechanics on Our Minds. I'm Caleb Birch, here with Luke Nigro and Caleb Freezer. All three of us are mechanical engineering students at the Neuromuscular Biomechanics Lab run by Dr. Jill Higginson at the University of Delaware. Who do I hear? So before we get started, we'll go ahead and do introductions. Uh, Kayla, would you like to go first? Sure. Thanks, Caleb. I'm Kayla, and I'm a third-year mechanical engineering PhD student at the University of Delaware. For my research, I use a combination of musculoskeletal modeling and simulation, as well as experiments to understand and predict user responses to variations of our super cool adaptive treadmill. At least I think it's cool. Anyways. My parents are both PTs, and I knew I wanted to do something related to healthcare, but not be a clinician. And that's pretty much how I ended up in biomechanics with the engineering point. Great. Thanks, Kayla. And Luke? Uh, hi, my name is Luke Nigro. I'm a fourth year PhD student in mechanical engineering. Um, I work in two labs. One is the neuromuscular biomechanics uh, lab that they work in, but I also work in a kind of orthotics and prosthetics lab. Um, so my research focuses on making passive ankle braces or ankle foot orthoses, they're called, have more like complex stiffness properties um, so that we can kind of have a little bit more different or like rate responsive um, support for, for individuals who need that. Um, and I got interested in biomechanics because uh, I am a runner. I was running, ran in high school and ran a uh, club in college and um, met someone through there who was doing biomechanics research uh, when I was an undergrad. And I was like, hey, that seems like a cool thing um, and kind of haven't looked back since. Awesome. What about you, Caleb? <laughs> Thanks, Luke. I'm Caleb Birch. I am a third year student and I do research with um, some wearable technology things. I do, I've done work with wearable sensors for like ground reaction force measurement. And I do work with um, upper extremity assisted devices. So looking at using like a powered robotic device to help people move their shoulder. And I'm doing that with computer simulations and then experimental work. And uh, I got interested in biomechanics. Well, partially similar to Luke, I was also a runner. And there, yeah, you kind of subconsciously are aware of biomechanics things. And you kind of hear about stuff and learn about like what research about helps make people run faster and stuff. Um, and so just through running, soccer, other sports, and then just being interested in engineering, I kind of put it together and end up here in biomechanics. So, great. Now, before we get started, uh, I just wanna take a moment to thank Melissa and Hannah for letting us host this episode of Boom. Um, really grateful that all that you guys do for putting together these episodes and sharing awesome biomechanics content. 
and just for giving us this opportunity today. So before we get started, um, I'll go over just the general content that we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, we're going to focus on three general topics. First, we're going to talk about surviving and adapting to COVID as a graduate student. Then we're going to talk about um, advocacy, especially like within our own school. And then finally, we're going to go back around full circle talking to about COVID, adapting to COVID again, but in more of a fun, um, fun stuff and mental health kind of aspect. So without further ado, we'll get started. Um, we're going to start with our first topic, surviving COVID as a graduate student, the work stuff. Yay, work uh, stuff. Ooh. First point that we're going to talk about is just keeping a routine and making a schedule. Luke, would you like to start us off on this one? Yeah, so I mean, this is this is something that I've definitely struggled with kind of in the in the more recent uh, weeks and months. It's just like, uh, you know, kind of gradually over time, I was kind of sliding into having less and less of a schedule, like kind of the monotony was really starting to get to me. Um, you know, you wake up in your apartment, you work in your apartment, you work out in your apartment, you, you know, transition from your nighttime PJs to your daytime PJs. And it's, you know, kind of the monotony um, just gradually sort of wears on your productivity. So like just keeping a routine, like getting up, you know, getting up at a set time, putting on a, you know, nicer shirt, putting on actual pants and like um, getting yourself to like, for, you know, forcing yourself to kind of go through the motions. Uh, I've, I've helped really kind of helps um just kind of put you put you in the frame of mind to like be more productive like you know stuff like walking your dog feeding your dog caleb you know all about that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with all that um yeah i totally understand like without like getting into routine it was kind of hard but i think at first i had a hard time adapting and like sometimes just yeah like if you don't get up at the same time every day and define your working hours and kind of just like separate your work time and your and your relaxing time but yeah having a dog it's actually i'm just reflecting on this how so i have a dog and he dogs like routines and see my dog zeke he likes to get up and have breakfast at the same time every morning usually around like 7 30 ish uh so i have to be up and give him his breakfast every day he likes to go for a run it's usually around like five or six ish six-ish and if i'm not up and moving to get him out on a run then he comes and pesters me so he forces me to get my exercise in during the day and then he also needs to get his, his dinner in so you know he make sure i eat which isn't really a problem but, you know do you uh do you have meals together do you do you eat his dog food and does he eat <laughs> I your don't, i don't eat his dog food he sometimes tries to eat the people food but he's pretty polite <laughs> about it so we're, we're able to, to push him away yeah. I mean, does, so for the listeners, Caleb has a wife, um, Rachel, she's great. I mean, does, does, and Kayla and I both live by ourselves. Uh, I mean, I, I have a cat, so kind of the dog things that Caleb mentioned are sort of applicable to a cat, but less so. But like, does having, does having a roommate who happens to be your wife, but does having a roommate kind of help? like stay on schedule do you think yeah i mean i'd say totally like we both are kind of in it together we both on our on a routine and uh i mean part of it's also just 
like just having someone there with you. Um, one that like you're both working at the same time. So you have the same hours and you can't, you know, you're kind of like held accountable to working just by the nature of that. Um, and then when it's later, when it's time to relax, it's nice to have company around too. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's definitely something that like, cause you know, it's, it's hard to keep yourself accountable. Uh, at least for me, um, Kayla, you seem to do a little bit better job at that <laughs> than I do at least. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't like, I would say that it definitely helps to have somebody else keep you accountable. So for me, one of the things that I do is just to get my blood flowing a little bit, go and do my exercising, walking in the morning. And my mom has also started to do that too. So I'll call her in the morning and that keeps us both accountable to get up at a certain time and get our exercise in before the workday starts. So that's definitely been helpful. That's nice. Morning, morning mom call. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure she likes that a lot. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And kind of Caleb mentioned just like having, having somebody there to also hold you accountable to like work at the same time. I mean, that's, that's something that, definitely helps me to like I I grew up in Delaware so my parents live nearby and like sometimes uh sometimes I do go there to work um I mean my dad's retired so he's not working but just just kind of being in a in a different place also is is helpful just to again like have a commute and like I don't know I've, I've never realized the importance of the commute uh during COVID it's like you know, having 10, 15, 20, whatever, 30 minutes, however long it is to like, not think about kind of your person, like kind of have that transition zone between your personal life and your work life. And that, that definitely helps. Um, yeah, so yeah, just going off of that, one of the things that I've struggled with, I'm good at scheduling when I start, but the end of the day, can kind of vary depending on how successful my research that day is going or not. <laughs> how do you guys either keep yourself motivated if your research isn't doing great to work a full work day without having your colleagues, you know, social pressure around you or end your day at a reasonable time so that you're not staring at a screen 24 seven and you do have the relaxation time in the evening. That's definitely something I've struggled with during COVID. I I mean I kind of have the opposite. I have trouble getting started. And like if I'm on a roll, yeah, I'll, I'll I can get a lot done, but for me it's really hard to get started on something. Yeah. Um so like you know, that's why I think for me having the commute is so important because I mean now fortunately I can like go into an office, a closed office in our office space to work. Um, so like for me, it's the demarcation of like, okay, now it's time to start working as opposed to just like still being in my apartment. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of going somewhere to get something started, but yeah, also like knowing when to stop is also important, you know, having those boundaries. And that's why I think having, like working and living in the same place is so hard because it blurs those boundaries so much, especially like Kayla for you and I who live in single apartments, you know, we don't, we don't have an office room. Well, I don't have an office room. So like, 
my office is my living space. <laughs> right. Right. And I guess what I'd say on that, Kayla, is so on the one end, if I'm having a hard time staying motivated and like making it through the whole day, I think sometimes I do like take little breaks and like if I give my mind a break, that can help me like kind of just get away from the work for a little bit and then come back a little more motivated. The trick is doing that in at least small doses. Right. I mean, maybe some Not letting the breaks yeah. turn into a whole afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Don't let five minutes turn into an hour. Unless like you really like, I mean, I think, you know, there could be days where you need to take a, a chunk off, like a chunk out of the day and then just like right. get back at it the next day motivated. Which I think but, we'll talk about a little bit more in the mental health. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, suggestions for for fellow graduate student listeners is like, uh, again, I'm a big proponent of going somewhere else to work. Um, just it's having okay. that like physical separation between you and all of your distractions in your apartment, you know, your pets or the fridge or the TV or whatever. Um, you know, even it's just like, I've gone to a park a few times, you know, outside that's safe. Um, um, you know, if you aren't, if you don't have access to your lab or an office or a desk in, in, you know, your, your workspace where you would normally work, like, you know, maybe go to a friend's house who, uh, you know, fellow, fellow lab mates house, if you're comfortable, um, you know, being, being physically close to each other. Um, yeah, just like, that's my suggestion <laughs> basically on this, on this matter is like, go, go somewhere else to work. Yeah. No, I think that's great. That sounds like a really like, refreshing way to kind of shake things up and refocus. Um, another point that we haven't talked about too much, we talked a little bit about like we mentioned that, yes, I live with my wife and so we have each other to motivate each other. Um, but also if you're not living with someone, it's really helpful to form a team like to reach out to someone in your lab or another friend that, you know, maybe started in your year in your department, um, and like put a date on the calendar. Um, Kayla and I meet each week to discuss our research and kind of keep up with what the other one's doing. Um, Kayla, do you want to talk any more on that? Yeah, sure. One of the things as a graduate student for me during COVID that I have missed the most is just like, I can't turn around in my chair and ask my lab mates for quick feedback on a plot or a simulation result that I just generated. Those impromptu conversations, I feel like, that are just so fun and nice and helpful to have during your graduate career. Um, and so kind of building off of that, uh, I kind of, well, we kind of established one-on-one -on -one meetings, not only just with our advisor each week, but also with each other so that I can share research and get feedback or questions that I've answered from my peers that might have suggestions that I haven't thought of and also learn from them about their research. So even though it's not every day and it's not the impromptu conversations, we can still have some back and forth about our research. And I learn a lot from my lab mates. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we've had some good conversations, sparked some good ideas, just catching up and talking with each other. Um, I think it's great. Yeah, it just like makes life a little more normal, just being able to talk with each other, just like we would in the lab. And that I think is one thing that I think that's been really great for both of us. Like Kayla and I started in the same lab at the same time. So like, 
having that person um, working side by side has been really helpful. Even though we're on like very different projects, um, it's still like those conversa conversations have been just really helpful to the both of us. So yeah. Makes I've, it a little uh, less isolating too. Absolutely, yeah. So for our next, uh, point, another point on um, surviving and adapting to COVID as a graduate student is just um, setting up your workspace to be productive. Um, and I think there's some measures that we've taken uh, as a group, I think we, everyone has had to find some ways to adapt, but these are just a few recommendations and things that we've done. Uh, so Luke, would you like to start on this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, one, as, as I previously mentioned, I'm a big proponent of going somewhere else to work. Um, but if, or when you can't do that, uh, just like, I found that rearranging my apartment uh, furniture like kind of is a is a substitute for that to a certain extent because um, it you know does change it is kind of like fresh and new and like um, you know in the process of doing that like yeah you probably have to clean stuff up but also that's kind of you know therapeutic in it, in its own right so yeah that's 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 what I suggest I another thing I'm doing with my dad is he has a nice like workshop so we're building a new like tv stand so i'm like making new furniture uh for my apartment so that's fun and it's just like you know mixes things up a little bit anything you can do to mix it up it's good yeah that's, that's cool Luke. i didn't know you're doing that and then other details we could talk about so setting up a workspace too um like luke said rearranging your furniture rearranging um to set up your, your desk, your workspace, um, I think is pretty useful. You wanna be set up to be productive. Like at work, you have a desk and you have a space that's set up, but maybe you don't have that at home. For me, I do have a study, but then I kind of had to adjust. Um, and now I'm working down in my living room where I can plug into the router. But um, I found that like, I have this set up this big outdoor desk, set up have two computer monitors, which is pretty nice. I recommend getting a second monitor if you can do yeah. that. <laughs> and then um, big thing that Kayla pointed out to me, one day we were having a Zoom meeting and like my back would just give me a lot of pain. And then she was like, have you thought about changing your chair? And then I realized I'd been sitting on a hard plastic chair for months. And so I went, and I had a chair upstairs. I just hadn't used it. So I grabbed and moved with my nice cushion desk chair downstairs. So if you're listening to this and you have back pain, please listen to Kayla's advice and get yourself a better chair. <laughs> yes. Yeah, young, young grad students, this is the age when we start developing back pain. Get a good chair. <laughs> From a biomechanics perspective, there's a lot of literature on the importance of sitting in a good chair. So Yeah, this is so topical. You can look that up. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not 20 years old anymore. We can't just sit on anything. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, do you have any other thoughts on that point before we move on to our, our next topic? Ooh, I wanted to rant about phone use. Okay. <laughs> my, my phone use rant. So, I, you know, one of the things to, that is difficult uh, is, like, managing distractions. And, like, we all, we all have our own distractions. And, like, I check my phone a lot. And it's, you know, gotten more so during COVID. Um, and, like, you know, it's... it's it's, it, phones are just a huge distraction. And so I was looking for an app that could like shut down what 
like prevent me from using any like an app at all like pre- prevent me from using facebook instagram whatever um and like the iphone i have an iphone and like ios kind of has a thing like that but you can just like very easily bypass the you know warning just like ignore it uh, but i wanted something that was like hard stop no you you shall not pass and i was like looking around and i downloaded a couple different things um and all of them were like you either needed to pay for it and it would do what i wanted it to do and i'm not going to pay for anything i'm on a stipend come on we're not paying for that and the other but then the other sort of type of app was like log out like you know use it to like as a meditation thing like it would have you know soft rain sounds or whatever which is not what i wanted at all like uh, you know, it's, it's another app that encourages you to use it more. And then kind of in the process of doing that, I realized that like, why would an app like a, a free app to prevent you from using your phone exist? Because the, the point of apps are to use them and use them more and generate revenue that way or pay for them. And that's how they generate revenue. So like, I was thinking that this like, tool existed but really it has no reason to exist uh so once i kind of realized that it was kind of liberating because like i was like oh this doesn't exist anymore so now i have to or like this doesn't this never has existed so now i have to like create it my not create it my own but at least like do do the thing that i wanted to do on my own which was like oh that just means i need to hold myself accountable (laughs) um so it, it was kind of a long, long circular path to like old fashioned, just like hold yourself accountable, like understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and just don't use your phone. Um, there's my rant. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Um, we're proud of you for <laughs> ranting the phones. <laughs> Okay, um, now we're going to move on to our next topic, which is advocacy. Um, this is something that can mean a lot of things can be done at many different levels. Um, you know, you can advocate for people on a national scale or even down to your own little department or wherever you are. So um, we're going to talk about a few things in there. Um, but before we get started, or when we get, let's get started by asking Luke. Um, could you tell us about some advocacy examples, things that you can do for advocacy by yourself? There's that train. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, COVID has been a heck of a time. Um, not only because it is a global pandemic, but like um, in America that have been plenty of sort of social issues that have come to the fore and I don't know kind of relating back to phone use and like social media use like those are big drivers of anxiety for a lot of people and I think you know kind of always being on always being like checking in 
tuning in to what's happening um, can can be detrimental. And so, like, one of the things that I've found that to help is like find find a cause, whatever it might be, um, that you support, and like, you know, kind of go go all in on it, um, and kind of use it as a center um use it as like a, a point of focus kind of above or away from the mire <laughs> of social media uh, and that thing for me has been like like voting voting rights i'm i'm being a poll worker uh i was for the, the primary in delaware and i will be for the general election i don't know if this will come out before or after the general um and it's like in doing that it's you know there is a, some like civic civic pride in that um but also it's like something that i feel is really relevant to you know these times specifically um social social and political issues but you know that's that's the 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 thing that i've focused on and like it it, it relieves a lot of stress for me because i have something to focus on rather than just like the swirl of everything else um so i yeah i recommend doing that if you're being if you're feeling particularly stressed about um social and political issues whatever your inclination is uh particularly in america um because i know we're all feeling it a little bit <laughs> yeah i think that's great Luke. like it's easy to be just caught up and upset by what you're saying but to go out and to you know do your part to make a difference, I think is, is a great thing and a great way to, to get past that. Um, right. And, and that is that, you know, your action item doesn't have to be being a poll worker. It can be whatever, you know, it can be donating time or money or whatever to, um, you know, a, a cause you believe in. Boom would like to thank Sanford Health for their support in the making of the Student Voices series. Sanford Health is one of the nation's largest health systems offering integrated care, genomic medicine, senior care and services, research, and affordable insurance. Sanford Health also offers students both clinical and non-clinical internship experiences throughout the year, as well as graduate student training through a partnership with the University of South Dakota Department of Biomedical Engineering. These student opportunities include biomechanics internships through the Sanford Sports Science Institute and Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and Fargo, North Dakota, and provide mentorship, professional development, and growth opportunities, including gain, gaining real-world experience and building useful skills to prepare you for the future. And if you want to learn more about student opportunities at Sanford Health, you can visit sanfordhealth.jobs. That's S-A-N-F-O-R-D, health.jobs. So for our next part, we're going to talk about um, some advocacy we've done within our own department here. Uh, Kayla, would you like to kick us off on this point? Sure. All of us are uh, officers and members of <clears throat> two different groups in our department. One is a student advocacy group, um, and then another is a mentoring group for uh, older graduate students to mentor first years. And through that, uh, we've done a lot of uh, advocacy work trying to improve the experience for all graduate students. 
And one of the things that I, I think all of us have really found important is the power of communication, especially in a time where it is difficult or can be difficult to communicate since none of us are there in person. Um, and I've learned a lot about my fellow graduate students and experiences, as well as a lot um, from administration perspective. And I think our conversations with them have been really fruitful because they've gotten to learn about some graduate student concerns that they might not otherwise know about. Um, and we've kind of gotten to hear their side of the story too. So this whole experience, we really started our major advocacy work this summer during the heat of the pandemic and the social injustice concerns in the United States. And just the regular heat. Right. You have summer right. on July and <laughs> August on the East Coast. <laughs> uh, and we've continued them till now. And I think all of us have learned a lot and grown a lot through uh, those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, we've, we've done a lot of communicating. We've had meetings like for through Mega and Power or whatever. Um, we've had, I mean, meetings like every week, pretty much like things of we've just been working as a large just group of students to keep talking about these issues that we've come up. And it's amazing the amount of things that we've been able to work on and that we've, we've had regular conversations with the department too. And I think it's been very productive just being able to keep these conversations going and identify problems and immediately work with the people in charge to make things better for our students and for, for the university as a whole too. Um, so if we can go and talk about some specifics, what are um, some things that have been issues that you think have been really meaningful that we've worked on that have been, been helpful? Luke, would you like to discuss? Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, particularly, well, I, I know I've learned a lot more than I, you know, learned, learned a lot and know more certainly than I did before this, just about like kind of everything that our international fellow international grad students have to go through, um, you know, getting, getting visas and it, it's, you know, it, it, I, I would not have known that otherwise. Um, and I'm glad now that I, I do know that. Um, so, well, so real quick, Caleb mentioned mega and empower and mega is our mechanical engineering graduate association. So that's kind of our like, um, governing, you know, graduate student government um for our department and empower is the like uh program mentoring program for for first year students where older you know will be paired older grad students will be paired with the first year and that focuses mostly on first year issues that's the that's the mentoring uh situation so like yeah through 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 both of those sort of organizations we can kind of address different problems um and mega has certainly become I think a little bit more active people have become more tuned in during the pandemic which I think is a good thing and you know for for those of you listening if you don't have or don't know of your like graduate um, student kind of committee or government for your department or your program or whatever like now would be a great time to to reach out to it or start one or you know, because because then you have a vehicle to discuss issues or, you know, d start a line of communication with administration um, rather than just kind of 
alone as a student or two students or whatever. Yeah. yeah I think working on those issues as a group definitely like helps, helps it to be heard. Um, like, I don't think, I don't know that we would have made as much headway if we didn't um, work together as a larger group of students. But yeah, oh, like yeah, definitely a few examples, like things that just by communicating, like working with in our mentorship group and our graduate student government association group, we've been able to help with is like, for example, a, I guess it was last year, we had a like really large number of biomechanics students come into the program and because we, our biomechanics is awesome. <laughs> biomechanics brag. great great professors we have big um, physical therapy department too and a lot of patients that come through so there's a lot of attraction for biomechanics at ud and so we got a huge um huge students that were interested in biomechanics and suddenly we found us as students in the department you know having to work to to match them to professors and so this is where like the, the mentorship group came in. We were all paired with these first year students and us older students had already met professors. So we started reaching out, making connections and helping to pass names along and help the students to, to get connected with the faculty and, and find those opportunities to, uh, to find an advisor who can work with them who has those biomechanics interests. Yeah, and related to like finding an advisor, just you know, it, that mentorship group really helps with them navigating classes and picking what classes to take and, you know, what professors to try to take a course with. And so like, you know, something like that, a mentorship group like that, like doesn't, I guess it doesn't help us older students directly, but it helps the first year students directly a lot. And it also, you know, indirectly gives, gives us a reason to, um, you know, get to know them and become friends with them. Um, just kind of foster community. So that, that's a really good positive thing for that. Yeah, absolutely. Building community can be really difficult during this virtual environment. So both of those groups, uh, the graduate student advocacy group, as well as the mentorship group have allowed the department to really develop, I think over the summer and until now, a much stronger community environment, even though we can't all be together in person. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and sometimes I think we've almost had even more involvement just because it's so much easier just to right. hop on a meeting, um, which is great. Um, but yeah, so what are, so we talked about that, like we've been able to work with our, our department and we've been able to, to work with our first year students and represent them. Um, we work, worked on representing our international students and some of the challenges they face that are unique to international students. But sometimes it's, you know, it's not always easy and sometimes there are barriers. So what's something that would be, what, what's something that we've seen is sometimes a little difficult um, that when it comes to communicating with the administration that we've had to communicate with them to help move the, move the ball along and, and make progress. Uh, Kayla, do you want to take this one? <laughs> Sure. Yeah, one of the things we've really tried to do uh, every time we've been fortunate enough as a group uh, to meet with administration is to meet with each other first so that we're all on the same page. Uh, then kind of make a clear outline for how 
we see the meeting going so that everybody again is on the same page. And then also, I think it's really important to propose solutions to concerns that you're presenting to the department or the administrators as well, so that it feels more like you're working with them. And they might not necessarily, you know, use your solution, but they might be able to build off of that solution to do some sort of compromise or something that's even better than what you initially proposed. We found that really helpful in terms of communication. Yeah, that's, that's really essential because if you, if you don't come with a solution, then it, you can come off as like adversarial and that's not helpful. Um, so like coming there with, with a solution, even if it's not a good solution, just a solution immediately puts the administrate, like whatever, you know, your, your administration or whatever other group you're working with to, you know, puts them, puts them in the frame of mind that like, oh, we are collaborators in this now. Um, and yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah. And I think the fact that we like take the initiative to do these things, um, we've earned, I think, a lot of respect from our administrators, um, like the chair of our department. Like, we're really grateful for, for our department chair who cares a lot about these issues and, and working on things with us. And we know that he's expressed that he's very grateful that we as students take the time to think through these problems and to bring it up to him. Because some of these things also, like, the professors don't always know these issues till we bring them up. So, like, when we bring something for them, it's that much more helpful that they can see we've thought it through um, and that, that and why it's important, why we, what we think can be done. Uh, another thing that is, we found that has been helpful um, and we would recommend doing, if you're trying to um, work on student issues with your department, it's, it's helpful to identify faculty that are, are passionate about helping with student representation and helping with these issues. We've been grateful and fortunate that like our advisor cares about these issues and we've discuss these things with her. So not only do we discuss things with um, the chair of our department, um, but our advisor, um, she'll, like, she communicates these issues too because she sees them um, from different levels. Yeah, do you guys have any other points on that? Yeah, I think my last point on this topic would be that we should all remain optimistic because the faculty members most of the administrators were all grad students at one point or another. Um, so they've kind of been through it and they want to see you succeed and they want to give you the best opportunities and experience that you can have. So go into the meetings with faculty and administrators uh, with an optimistic attitude that, uh, you're, that they're going to listen to you and positive change will happen. For our final topic, we are going to come back around again, like I said, to adapting to COVID and in this case, talking less about work and talking more about the fun stuff, things that we do for our mental health. So um, Luke, would you like to kick us off on this topic? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, being a runner, um, I kind of dive into exercise, uh, particularly when I'm stressed. Uh, and it helps a lot like this. Uh, I, I also bike a lot. So this has been a real big bike year uh, since I have more time. Um, but I mean, you know, so, so like pairing that with, you know, 
adventures and going places. Um, that's really, that's really been helpful for me. Um, also like started camping, <laughs> uh, more, which, you know, is, is great for the summer. Uh, it's getting a little colder. So that window of opportunity is kind of closing for us, but maybe, maybe you listeners in the South, uh, you know, that can, that can keep going throughout the winter months. Yeah. yeah but I mean, like that one day, the, your one camping trip. Yeah. So I, I went downstate Delaware, biked, it was like 75 miles and, uh, you know, brought all my crap with me and, and went camping and it was great. It was like, you know, really just peaceful to be by myself on the road or in, you know, my tent or, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I guess it's not everyone would be into that because it's still, I still was isolated, but I was isolated in a different place, which was the fun part for me. Um, yeah, but I mean, again, like um, a lot of my entertainment comes from running and biking because uh, it's a lot of fun. But I think with that, with exercise in particular, like you do have to be careful um, because there were, were some times where I was like, maybe doing too much. And, um, I know one of the, the real hosts of this podcast, uh, I forget, I forget which one, um, who had hip surgery. Um, like I definitely, she was talking about kind of her situation in one of the past episodes. And I, I really connected to that cause I was like, well, yeah, you, you do have to, you know, listen to your body and recognize when you might be doing something too much. And also like, recognize when you might be using that as like as a distraction itself like i i feel like exercising is a productive good thing but if you do it too much then it's not you know it's not good for your body and it's not good for um your mental health because then you kind of focus too much on it um it's nice that yeah so you got to have a balance in that regard yeah yeah, I think the balance is always always a key thing in life. But yeah, what other hobbies and activities have you guys done? Kayla, I know you've uh, done some fun things. Could you tell our listeners about what you what skills you learned during quarantine? Sure. Yeah, I got a ice cream maker this summer, uh, so I've yeah. been having some fun making different flavors of ice cream and. It's nice because, uh, you know, when it's nice outside, uh, you can meet friends outside and share the ice cream with them. I live by myself, so it's, you know, make two quarts of ice cream, don't want to eat it all by yourself. Uh, so it's nice to have hobbies that you can kind of share with other people to make their days too. The other thing that I have been doing is uh, juggling. So I learned how to juggle in high school, but I haven't done it since then. Uh, so I have been juggling again and then sharing silly juggling videos with friends and family at the end of every week. And uh, just to give everyone a little bit of a laugh at the end of the week too. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, rediscovering old hobbies rather than yes. um, finding new hobbies. I like yes. it. Yeah, and if I could take a moment to brag about Kayla's ice cream. You made, it was what, roasted strawberry chip ice cream, right? Yes. You, Roasted strawberries in balsamic, mm -hmm. and then use that like with the base for your ice cream, and then yep. put chocolate chips in it. That's ingenious. It's very good. <laughs> yes, Wait, that so is my favorite so far. Do you have to get like 
heavy whipping cream for that? Like, what's no, the... that one is just light cream. Whoa, oh, okay, yeah. healthy too. That's the one, yeah, it, it's it's light cream, so it's healthy, <laughs> <laughs> healthy enough. <laughs> awesome, yeah, for me, um, my hobbies that I've taken up a lot during quarantine, um, one is just playing with my dog, of course, um, petting Zeke, taking Zeke on walks. Um, Looking at Zeke, admiring him. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Throwing the ball, all of those things. Um, basically, the one major take-home message from this is you should get a dog. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if you can find one, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody's getting dog. Likewise, everyone's getting bikes. Dogs and bikes are in yeah. short supply, so... Yeah, but really though, only get a dog if you're prepared to have a dog. But yeah, I'd say um, spending time with my dog. Um, I've, my wife and I have played a lot of board games and stuff over quarantine, um, and that's been a lot of fun. Just playing games. <laughs> uh, I've gotten into anything you can do to not stare at a screen too, since we yeah. stare. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I get headaches staring at the screen for too long. Yeah, which. Oh, that brings, I believe someone wanted to talk about blue light glasses, which I think is. Oh yeah, they're really helpful. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's it. I mean, <laughs> if you have, uh, you know, if you need a pair, if you need it, I guess prescription ones are more expensive. So if you have like, you know, 150 bucks, uh, it, spending it on blue light glasses are, is worth it. Yeah. Even less if you don't have a prescription. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, yeah, we're, we're spending a whole lot of time staring at our screens these days. Um, yeah. And that little cost is, yeah, it's probably worth, worth it, it. to pay out a small amount to, to save you the pain and the stress. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, one, one more point, uh, about just kind of like staying, staying, uh, you know, keeping track of your mental health, uh, again, just try going someplace different. Um, like, for example, I've uh, I have friends who still live uh, where I went to undergrad in in I went to Penn State, so in State College, um, which is like three and a half hours from where we are in Delaware. And it's like great to just go for a bike trip, like or a day trip to go ride bikes with my friends who also ride bikes. <laughs> I've just been riding bikes a lot. Um, yeah, and just like going to a different place, seeing people, you know, outside, hopefully, um, safely. Um, and like I, the other weekend, I went to uh, one of like the Jersey Shore with my friend. He has a, his family has a beach house and it was like just us or we were able to, able to like socially distance. Um, and yeah, just getting out of your apartment, it, it really... It might not sound um, like a lot for, you know, to some of you, but like it really does make a huge difference. Just getting out of where, getting out of the place where you've spent all of your time <laughs> since, uh, since quarantine. March. <laughs> yeah. yeah, since like March. Um, for sure. And I, I guess different, uh, different start dates of the quarantine for different people in, in different areas of the country and world. Yeah. Um, a few other things that we've done for, for fun activities. Um, we've done uh, a lot of 
different games over Zoom and other other means. Um, one thing, so one thing that I've enjoyed is Jackbox games. We have them, and you can probably, if you haven't figured this out by now, you can do this over Zoom with your friends. You just share the screen and then share the passcode, and everyone can play together. A lot of fun. If you don't know what Jackbox games are, they're great. Um, we've done an online code names before. I think we did this as a lab group. Um, that was I'm a fan of the categories. Yes, and then categories. yes, Kayla was the one who found categories online. So if you look around, those things, there are games out there. If you're interested in doing games, that's one easy way to to connect with people um, through a socially distant manner. Um, usually, usually paired with a happy hour. Yeah. Oh, I like them. Yeah, <laughs> virtual lab happy hours are a great way to connect with each other and kind of decompress from the work week. Yeah. yeah, unwind a little bit. I already said one last thing, but I have another last thing. A lot of schools offer free um, like mental health services, counseling services, um, which I have taken advantage of um, at UD. And it's, you know, it's something that I didn't think I needed. Um, but then kind of towards the end of summer, um, I don't know, with the kind of new semester and, you know, things changing a little bit. Um, I don't know, I was really hitting a wall in terms of productivity and, and kind of my own mental health. And, and it just helped a lot to, you know, to talk to a professional. Um, you might be like me and like not think that it would really make a big difference, but it, it, it does just having, you know, an hour every week to, like I said, talk to a professional. Um, it's not like, it shouldn't be intimidating. Um, and it's not designed to be that way. Um, just like if you, if you need a little, little extra, extra bump, extra support, like, uh, it's a, it's a really good thing and it's free. So what do you have to lose? Just like an hour of your week. <laughs> yeah, building off of that, I'm a huge advocate for counseling um, and mental health services. But there are also um, resources if you're not quite comfortable with going to counseling yet or if you just can't seem to find the right fit with a counselor. Um, I know one of the things that I've struggled with quite a bit during this quarantine time is kind of defining self-worth based on success or lack thereof with research since research is all you're doing. So there's a lot of good resources out there on uh, tips to help practice self-kindness. Uh, and I would definitely recommend like motivational podcasts or the different exercises. Only if boom isn't um, motivational enough for you. Right. <laughs> Great, thank you for sharing that guys. That's really good advice. So if we can close out on one fun question to end, let's ask each of us, what do you like most about being a graduate student? Uh, so Luke, if you're willing, would you go first? What do I like most about being a, about being a graduate student? Um, I mean, in biomechanics particularly, like it's working with people, working with like human subjects and, um, like, you know, bringing, like bringing someone into the lab who is genuinely interested in what we're doing and is like willing to, um, 
help out. Like we, uh, we work with a lot of, um, people who've, who've had strokes and like, um, it's just really inspiring to see them come in and like, you know, want to, want to be part of the process of improving, um, you know, improving their own, uh, situation like the, that situation for, for others. No, that's a cool point, Luke. That's, I haven't, I haven't personally experienced that part yet. Um, being like, I have done data collections, but only with healthy people, you know, people, able-bodied people doing, just walking on a treadmill. So like, I haven't um, had the experience that side of working with someone who's maybe had some condition, some injury, who cares about trying to make, make progress on that area. So that's uh, it's a cool thing to hear from you, Luke, and something I have, I'm looking forward to, to getting the experience later on. Um, I can say that's kind of similar to my, my favorite thing I think would be just being able to learn from people from like a very diverse set of backgrounds. Um, particularly like in biomechanics, there's people come from all over. You have people, you have mechanical engineers like us, you have biomedical engineers, you have, um, people in physical therapy, kinesiology, you have people who do robotic stuff who are interested in biomechanics things. So it's just very cool. Like sometimes like just going to a seminar and learning about something that is like kind of related to your research, but from a very different perspective. And then like learning something totally new from that or like me, I work like with kind of a group of people who do wearable technology research. And we have people like from fashion and as well as some of the areas that I mentioned before, people from material science, it's, it's very different perspectives that you get on everything. And like, it's just so cool, the kind of stuff that people are working on, the projects. So I just, I've enjoyed just learning from and interacting with people with like very different interests and very different experiences. Um, but yeah, Kayla, if you uh, would like to go next. Last but not least. With the, your favorite thing about being a graduate student. Yeah, I definitely agree with what both Caleb and Luke have said so far, the setup at University of Delaware is great because, you know, clinical labs are right next to engineering labs and it really allows for a lot of interdisciplinary work and communication when we're able to be there in person. Um, and I just learned a lot about biomechanics through the different perspectives and it's really fun to be around people that you can geek out, geek out with about all of this cool stuff. Um, but the other thing that I really like about being a graduate student is I feel like this is such a cool time for us to really be able to focus and engage in our resource or in our research and take courses that we necessarily weren't able to take in undergraduate because we had to get the breath of what our undergraduate major was, but we can kind of choose more courses that directly relate to what we really want to learn and are excited about in grad school and it's also a time where we just have a lot of opportunities and we have the time to be able to um, engage in those opportunities. Like for instance, I am fortunate to be a program specialist for the Perry Initiative, which is a nonprofit organization that, well, pre-COVID travels around the country and puts on hand, uh, hands-on outreach activities to inspire young women to become leaders in orthopedics and engineering. But in this, COVID pandemic world, we're actually able to do those events virtually and outside of graduate school, you know, when you're an undergrad and you have all these classes or when you're a professor or in the industry, um, 
I just feel like during graduate school is really a time to engage in all of these opportunities that are presented to you and you can kind of figure out where your niche is and really feel like you're making a difference. And that's just really exciting to me. Awesome. I love all those examples, guys. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as we did. Thank you again to Hannah and Melissa for allowing us to host this episode. If you're a student listening to this, you can actually host your own Student Voices episode, which I would totally recommend as a fun way to share about important topics with the biomechanics community. Thanks for listening to Student Voices, a series by Biomechanics on Our Minds by students and for students. If you have an idea for an episode of Student Voices, or if you want to host your own episode, please reach out to us at biomechanicsonourminds at gmail.com or tweet at us at biomechanicsoom. We'd love to hear from you. Let's keep these conversations going.